following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Tuesdays on the Huge Show Across Michigan are brought to you by the Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Book your getaway today at SoaringEagleCasino.com and also download the Eagle Access app. And they now have live sports wagering inside the Ascend Sportsbook and nightclub inside Soaring Eagle in Mount Pleasant. And if you want to get an update and buy tickets to all the great indoor shows, find out about the promotions and the giveaways, go to SoaringEagleCasino.com and download that Eagle Access app. Tuesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the incredible Soren Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. What's up, Michigan? It is our number three on a Tuesday statewide broadcast, the only syndicated afternoon sports radio show across the state, 19 stations strong for the one close to you. Go to thehugeshow.net. Also, each and every week on Tuesdays, Presented by Dorn Mayhew, we talk hoops with former Michigan head coach John Beeline. Josh Garvey, managing shareholder for Dorn Mayhew's Grand Rapids office, joins us every week. How you doing, Josh? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, I thought what was really cool, and you guys, you're an ultra marketer following in the footsteps of a legend and Tom Rosenbach, the former managing partner. But you have a Dorn Mayhew dog sled team that came over the four blocks uh, to our flagship station, 96-1 the game here uh, in borderline tundra, Alaska, in Grand Rapids. Very nice touch. Yeah, did you like that? Yeah, yeah really I mean, nice. and John Beeline is back in Michigan. He loves the tundra, can't get away. Who wants sunshine and beaches and golf courses? Why not come back to Michigan, right, John? That's right. That is right. It's beautiful this time of year up here. Well, you're doing the Big Ten Networks on the weekends. You still have connections to the state. You have connections down in Florida. Uh, you're going to the Big Ten Network studios there in the Chicagoland uh, metro area. How's that TV journey been uh, starting here earlier in the month? It, it's good. It's allowed me to, after two years, and really four years being more involved in the NBA to really dive back into college basketball. It's, you know, it's, it, I'm there for six to eight hours um, on Saturdays and Sundays, and that's all we do is watch games and talk about games and look at stats. So it's been it's been good. I have a I'm get much getting a much better feel for the Big Ten, so that I can uh, talk more about it with you on this great show. First, we got to touch on uh, the Lions, Josh, and then the coaches' team, the Bills, also in the uh, final eight in the NFL. But uh, the Lions win. Man, what'd you take from it? What a win. What I took from it is that team, the team has grit. They keep saying that, they're using that motto, but the team is tough. They've got tough players, tough coaching. Uh, Everybody was fired up. The fans, I think that place was going crazy from everything I could see from from watching at home. What a fun game to see. And we spoiled Stafford's return back to Detroit. So I I loved it. it's, It's an exciting time to be a Lions fan. And Coach Beeline, again, growing, you know, the upstate New York roots, uh, lifelong Bills fan, is that correct, Coach? Yeah, and I went to. A, I actually went to a game, and I think the first year was 1960. I think I was seven years old, and I believe that the crowd was so small that my dad said to my brother and I, "Let's go down on the field," and we sort of we stood up on the benches behind the Bills benches and watched from there. It was the first year of the American Football League, so yeah, I've been I've been through. 
I've been a lifelong fan with a lot of heartbreak. So I'm hoping this is our year. Man, uh, that's a great story. Back in the day, just walk on the field, hang out on the bench. <laughs> walk on the field. You've already had, you, you know, you've already lived the mojo years, but I think John Beeline had juice at an early age where he just walked up at seven and said, do you know who I am? I get on, I, I get on the field. I don't sit in the stands with the regular people. That's awesome. Yeah, NFL playoffs are the best, even if – you know, the Lions weren't in it. I'm still watching it. Bills have resurrected their season. Uh, you get the Lions, Josh. We're watching them. They get Tampa on Sunday. Uh, Bills get that uh, epic, uh, I guess, is it how many now, trilogy uh, with uh, the Chiefs. And I just love NFL playoff football. How about the Lions and the Bills? And then Coach Beeline will get us on the sidelines. Josh, isn't that good? <laughs> in Vegas. We'll, in Vegas. we'll do the show. We'll do the show from Vegas. Yeah, we're we're already making some plans, and I, I think the easiest way, because Vegas is gonna be crazy, is that the Michigan Sports Network, Marty Boer, they have the R V. We'll get somebody to drive it out there and stop and do shows along the way <laughs> and then get to Vegas and do some shows because it's gonna be easier. It's gonna be a zoo. If if the Lions Nation is in Vegas and the Lions are in the Super Bowl. I don't think the world of sports. I know the Cubs coach winning the World Series was big, but I think the Lions being in a Super Bowl in a place like Vegas could be beyond words on how many Lions fans will make that pilgrimage. It will look like a religious cult getting out I to Nevada. Hey, wait a minute. Time out. I guarantee there won't be more than Bill's Mafia. The Bills Mafia is incredible, and, uh, and I think it's much louder, much bigger than the Lions because they've had some practice at doing it. You know, that's the the Lions fans haven't been to many playoffs. The Bills Mafia, despite not winning a Super Bowl, we've been out there, and they'll be there in attendance. Yeah, you're right. The Bills Mafia, they really grew as a fan base by learning to jump off their trucks onto uh, cardboard tables. So I'm, <laughs> That's a good group there. <laughs> Coach, have you done one of those Bills Mafia uh, dies off the top no, of an RV I've or a truck? No, I, no okay. I have not. And just, I will not be. I, I, I didn't think you'd be that guy. You're more of the, you'll, you'll tailgate, you'll have fun, you'll eat a burger, you know, you'll, you'll drink a cold one. But I don't see John going, you know what? I'm going to get entered into the Mafia. I'm standing on this RV. Here's a card table that we used when I was a kid, and I'm going to do a belly flop on the table. That's not John Beeline. Not going to happen, no. No, no. No. I I see some of those people, and I'm like, okay, come on. Lions fans are cool. You're right, Lions. I I forgot about the Bills Mafia, too, in Vegas. Did you see how how many Bills fans were in Miami for that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just crazy. They're an amazing, amazing group. Josh, how many fans do you think from the state of Michigan around the country would go to Vegas if the Lions are in the Super Bowl? Gosh, I have. I just don't even have a gauge on what that yeah, would be. Is, it, is it a couple hundred thousand? Yeah, exactly. I, I, it wouldn't shock Bill's me. Bill's Mafia would be like a couple hundred thousand. It it, that's why I'm me. saying the rooms, the how crazy it would be. I'm going to be at the old person's RV park uh, in my <laughs> RV. <laughs> That's where I'm going to be. Where I, I went to Vegas. Yeah, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. All right, let's move on, talk some hoops here. Coach Beeline joins us each and every week. Presented by Dorn Mayhew, one of the world's top CPA accounting and business firms. Her world headquarters are in Troy on the east side of the state. Josh Garvey, managing shareholder for the Grand Rapids office. 
Uh, Wolverines coach uh, surprised me with a victory over a team fighting for an NCAA bracketology spot in the big dance, Ohio State. Uh, They look good at home on Martin Luther King Day. Yeah, I'm not. I am not surprised at all with Michigan's win over Ohio State. They, you know, if you look at the quality wins that they have, and they don't have a lot of them, but you know, they blew out St. John's in in Mass Square Garden. They won easily at Iowa. Now, not not too many people are going to go win at Iowa, let alone easily win there. There's talent. It's just been a tough year with the the coaching changes throughout the year. And I think what we saw yesterday a little bit is more who they are. They got a tough schedule coming up. They got Illinois at home. Then they got to go to Purdue. And then they got Iowa back again. So these next two games, they have opportunities to get back, you know, with their name being at least mentioned. Not Not bubble yet, but they beat Illinois is beatable, as Maryland showed the other day. At Purdue is going to be really hard, but they can, if they do it, People are going to say, "Oh, Michigan's back." So who knows what's going to happen? But that was a good that was a good start yesterday. Uh, Josh, your thoughts on the Michigan win over Ohio State? I did not see that one coming. I I remember seeing the line was like Ohio State minus four, and I'm like, "Oh my lord, they're going to win this game by 15 or 20." And Michigan did blow a big lead again, but then fought back in the second half and closed out the W. Yeah, that was a good Ohio State team. I was just looking at their their totals on the year, but a 12 win team coming in. Fab Five was sitting on the bench. For me, that was kind of cool because as a kid coming up, watching them play, it was really nice to see them all on the bench there uh, for the sideline of that game. I, I liked that. It, it meant something to me as a as a fan growing up. But they looked good. And as Coach mentioned, Illinois is very beatable. Uh, I watched their game against Michigan State, um, and that was at Illinois. I think if Michigan could get a big win here against Illinois, heading into num- against uh, a top team in Purdue, I'd – Again, they could be back. They almost have to beat Illinois and Purdue, they, Josh, to to get back into the NCAA tournament conversation. I think in so. my mind, they have to win both of those games, which is asking a lot. Would you agree, Coach? Yeah, I think. Well, I think that either one of them would be good, but then they're going to have to, you know, stack up some wins in a row after that too, and beat the teams that are, you know, they're like them. They're sort of middling teams at this point in the season. One year, one year, and it was my fourth year at Michigan, and I, we were, we were the drums were beating to get rid of Beeline at that time. We started out one and six in the Big Ten, and we went up and beat Michigan State at Michigan State, and never looked back. We ended up making the tournament that year, winning a first round game. Things can happen. Teams get healthy, or they they have a, they have a win or two somewhere like that win at Michigan State that year just gave us confidence to win going forward. So Michigan needs one of those and then stack up wins after that like we did that year. Coach John Beeline joins us each and every week on Tuesdays, Talking Hoops, presented by Dorn Mayhew. Josh Garvey, managing shareholder, Dorn Mayhew, GR office, also joins us. Coach Josh mentioned the Fab Five in attendance yesterday. I know uh, you, your staff, Michigan Athletics, they tried forever to kind of get everybody together, and it was good finally to see uh, the Fab Five uh, together, a little bit older, not as baggy shorts as the past, but uh, they were there in attendance yesterday. Take me through uh, your path with trying to get the Fab Five together and those connections when you were at Michigan. You know what, Bill? I tried to get all our alums back together, all our former players in football, we had a cohesiveness of coaches. 
that you know you, you went you went from Bo to Gary Moeller to Lloyd Carr and those three those football teams were very connected. You look at basketball with the exception of Dave Strack, every head coach left under some type of duress, got fired, etc. And there, there's a lack of connection there. That's all I tried to do during my 12 years there was every everybody is welcome. You know, you're a Michigan Wolverine. We love having you back and, and didn't focus on one group over another. That It was huge for us to just do that. We made big strides in that area. And, uh, and I felt, I felt, I, I felt that our alums, basketball alums were much, felt much more connected to the university during our tenure than they had been before that, because we, we were purposeful in doing it. And there was a different, it was a different vibe because we we're having some success and it's tough to get guys to come back when their coach was fired, guys transferred out. That's a tough, that's a tougher thing. We were able to get that done. Uh, Josh, you mentioned the Fab Five and, you know, grew up watching them. They they changed uh, the game. They were a part of it, you know, with UNLV and the Running Rebels and Tark and the Shark. and Yeah, but the Fab Five, you know, in their state of Michigan connections and beyond the state lines, uh, that was an era, wasn't it? Definitely was an era. They changed it. They changed the game, and they were fun to watch. It was exciting, exciting time for, for me as a kid in college basketball and Michigan uh, University. It was a very fun time, and uh, it was just, it was just nice to see them sitting there courtside together um, at a Michigan game, rooting on their their friend as the coach, and that meant something to me as a fan growing up. That was that was good to see. You know, one thing about the state of Michigan that we've been blessed, no matter how old you are. Well, whatever age you are listening right now, we've had some incredible basketball teams from Magic and Special K and Judd. You've had Izzo and his national championship team. You've had old school bad boys, new school bad boys. You could go Johnny Orr, old school Michigan. You could roll it through, you know, Seattle and Ramil Robinson and Fisher. Uh, John, what he did uh, was amazing at Michigan. Uh, you, you you take all these storylines connected to hoops and all the great players at the high school level that have come out of this state. You know, John, the state of Michigan, I, I know we, we were excited about the Lions and Michigan football, but between the high schools, colleges, and even the Pistons history, that we're one of the better basketball states in the country. No, without question. During the, I know during that that 10 year, the last 15 years, let's say, you know, I think Michigan and Michigan state have gone. Uh, there was a, there was a 10 year span where Michigan and Michigan state had gone to five final fours over a 10 year period, the two of us. So you, there's not an, there wasn't another state in the country, not Duke and North Carolina during that time, didn't go to five final fours. And I, I, I just think we were under appreciated for what was happening at Michigan and Michigan State. And, of course, the Pistons run uh, back uh, before the rebuild began. Um, it was an amazing run of playoff success. So, yes, it is a great basketball state, and it, it always has been. And so it's uh, it's something that I think we all – it's close to us, so maybe people don't appreciate it as much as – if you were in different states and, and you didn't have the success these teams have had. All right, speaking of success, uh, Izzo, uh, second half against Rutgers, their latest game, they got it together. Uh, defense led to offense. 
Uh, they woke up again, long holiday break. I'm not making excuses, but uh, they look like a tournament team the way they played in the last 20 minutes. And then it ended, Coach, with Stephen Izzo getting the unbelievable three-point play in uh, the emotion of the team and even Izzo afterwards right. and even the day afterwards. I know you've been there with sons, with kids uh, yeah. that have played for you. Uh, that that supersedes anything, any contract, any trophy, uh, to share those moments with your kids. Yeah, I mean, Michigan, I, if you watch me on the Big Ten Network, and I think I even said there, Michigan fans, Michigan State fans, do not overreact. Uh, they have lo- they lost uh, to Illinois at Illinois, Northwestern to no- at Northwestern, and Nebraska at North at Nebraska. There might be one more team. Maybe Wisconsin is going to win at some of those places. Nobody's winning at those places. Michigan State started off with a really tough schedule, and they won some, they lost some. This is their time that they'll get back where the schedule evens out a bit for them. As far as Steve Izzo playing, playing, you know, I got to coach my own son. Now, he was the sixth man on our team at West Virginia and had a lot of playing time. But I'm telling you, the emotions that you have coaching your own son is one thing. But I have also had the situations where we had a walk-on, non-related walk-on, get a big bucket in a game. There was, there was one at West Virginia member, John Curran, hit this hit a buzzer beater against Syracuse to end a half when I put him in at the end of the half. And I, I still mean this. I said, John, I could die today from a heart attack. And that was one of my happiest moments in coaching is to watch you score a basket in that fashion. And and so there's you get so close with your not and you know you, the non-stars because they're the scout team. They sacrifice so much. You love them so much. And when they have any success like Steven had the other day, it's special. And now it's your son doing that. It, it was, I got emotional just watching that. Wonderful moment for Tom, his family, and Michigan State. Josh, I know we've talked before. You're coaching your kids in youth basketball. It's not the same thing, but it is in a way to you, these memories you guys will have uh, forever. Uh, Izzo loves his family, loves his son, loves his team. Uh, Spartans found that energy in the second half against Rutgers. Uh, they're on a tough journey, just like Michigan is. It's interesting to watch both these teams are going all over the place. Uh, but I think, you know, in trusting Izzo and the passion and love, I heard him on his statewide weekly show last night that even with a, a tough season in place, you know, they're not on any bracketology like Michigan isn't on any bracketology right now. Still a lot of basketball where they could play their way into the tournament. Uh, but your thoughts on that win over Rutgers and also the Steven Izzo connection? Yeah, I think the the win over Rutgers was a nice win at home. Um, they're heading into the the thick of the Big Ten schedule here, um, and I think to your comment, they're they're not phased by this, uh, Bill, because they've been there before. They've been there before where they're kind of off the radar, and the closer you get to March, the the more W's that keep coming in. They they certainly have the talent to get there. And I, I think that this is a, a comfortable position. They've been there before and it wouldn't shock me if, if, if they really uh, stack up a lot of wins here between now and, and the tournament time. So. All right, fellas. Well, that was a quick 20 minutes. Uh, Coach Beeline, thank you so much. Always good uh, to hear your voice. Uh, we'll talk next week, my man. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I said another guy. I thought it was a good week for the Pistons. 
from Michigan, Michigan State. Let's have another good week. Yeah, amen. Uh, John Beeline, check it in. Uh, from Ann Arbor, uh, Josh Garvey, managing shareholder for Dorn Mayhew's Grand Rapids office, one of the world's top accounting CPA business firms, world headquarters over in Troy. Solid job on air. We'll talk next week. Thanks. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. It's time to go on the court with Tim Stout. It's a new day to celebrate and be free. It's a new day full of action and excitement because it's a day for winning. Only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort, it's a new day. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com. A challenging week ahead to be sure for Michigan State's basketball team, but the Spartans finally are back in the win column after starting 1-4 and four in Big Ten play for the first time in Tom Izzo's 28-year history as the Spartans head coach. It wasn't always pretty, but an 18-point win over Rutgers sends Michigan State to 2-4 and four in a home game Thursday night against Minnesota, a team that it looks to be much better than it played a year ago. And then it's a game Sunday at noon at Maryland. And Maryland's a team that is coming off a 9-point win at Illinois, the same Illinois team that beat Michigan State a few nights earlier by 3 points. These are two big games, and for the Spartans, they clearly want to win and move up in the standings. Huge here for the incredible Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Exciting news. On Monday, the new food district opened up. The old buffet area now features four incredible eateries, including Guy Fieri's Chicken Guy, Bubba Coo's Burritos, Ike's Love and Sandwiches, and Bonanno's New York Pizza Kitchen. Four eateries. The food district is now open at the Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Enjoy that food. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Let's go check in with Jeremy Reisman, pride of Detroit. He's a Lions NFL insider joining us on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. And Jeremy, we've had conversations over the last 18 months or so And this has been building a machine, a work in progress. And here we are, the reality after the Rams win, over the Rams, that the Lions are three wins away from being world champions. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's insane. I mean, we've had these conversations all week and then. You know, I don't think either of us really believed Super Bowl was necessarily in it this year, but we we were we've had some pretty lofty hopes for this team throughout the the season. You know, we've we've had NFC Championship thoughts, we've had, um, you know, we temporarily it looked like maybe the one seed was in play for this team for a while, and so um, it's it's truly amazing and um, uncharted territory here where we've entered a, a place where all these preseason, all these midseason hopes and expectations are, are being met week after week after week. And so now the Lions find themselves in the divisional round as six and a half point favorites, um, meaning they, you know, they are favored by almost a full touchdown to make their second NFC championship game ever. And you think about it, it, the reality of this began with what the Lions did to Aaron Rodgers in his final game in a Green Bay Packers uniform on Sunday Night Football in America, knowing that they had already missed out on the playoffs, but the Packers still had a shot. It was after that game that I think when I talk about building that built the belief inside that franchise, the coaches, the players, fan base, those like us who cover this team 
that this could be a special year, and it is. And, and I think more than anything, that game taught me that this team will be motivated and locked in and focused for any sort of game it, going in the future. Like it, they're never going to overlook opponent. They're, they're never going to, um, you know, think they, they have a game in the bag. They're never like, they are going to be locked in and give you their best every single week. And it was funny. I, I saw some Rams fans um, a couple weeks ago after the, the Cowboys game, they're like, Oh, the lines are all focused on getting revenge on the Cowboys. They're going to overlook the Rams in the first round. And I'm like, you do not know Dan Campbell. You do not know this team. They are going to get up for every single game, whether a divisional round, uh, you know, ticket is on the line or kicking out your divisional opponent of the playoffs is on the line. Um, it's, it, it's truly amazing how locked in this, this team is week to week. And that's going to give them a fighting chance. If they're overmatched, it's going to give them a fighting chance if they're, they're injured or it's going to lead them to victory. If they're a team that should win the football game, you know, the trigger for building this machine and why golfers of Stafford had so much significance leading up to it through the game and after the game on Sunday night, that it was about, the shocking trade of Stafford to the Rams and Goff coming in and the fans didn't believe in Goff and he was just going to be around for a year and he'll be gone. And then the old 10-1 and one start and everybody piling on and Lions fans, some of them uh, supporting Stafford and Detroit Rams gear was actually being sold in Detroit. Yet, yet Holmes, Campbell, and even Sheila Hamp they never wavered. And then you get into yeah. that next year and hard knocks and the expectations are sky high with the finish. And they don't they don't do it. And they don't get it done. And then this year it's Kansas City and the hype, and they do get it done. And it felt like they won a playoff game uh, to start this season. It has been about that trigger deal and building this machine that that trade not only worked out with golf beating Stafford on Sunday night, but with the picks in return and the impact of rookies like Laporta and Gibbs and JMO and acquisitions uh, that Holmes has made and how they've been coached up and developed with Campbell and his staff. It is that true work of art in building this Lions machine. Yeah, no, that trade is obviously the the genesis of everything that, that came after. And I don't want to minimize what Dan Campbell has done or, or what Brad Holmes has done, but they were given a lot of tools to, to turn this around and they deserve a ton of credit. Like you said, to just throw their full support behind Jared Goff, never treat him like that bridge quarterback that you, you were talking about. Um, they, they, they knew that he was a, a mentally tough player. And, and I mean, I, I can't give Goff enough credit just for how he's persisted mentally. Right. I don't know if there's any quarterback ever who has been traded so unceremoniously for, I mean, a couple first round picks. That's what they thought of this guy is that they were willing to trade a couple first round picks and more just to upgrade the quarterback position by, they thought a lot and maybe it is a lot. Maybe it isn't um, for, for someone to go through that, to, for it to be a pretty ugly divorce. Like obviously him and McVay had stuff going on for him to come back, endure that Oh, 10 and one start. And then a one and six start the next year to endure all of that and then come back and, you know, play at a really, really, you know, a top 10 quarterback level and, and now lead this team to, to something that they haven't done in 30 years. And, you know, everything else is ahead of them. They could do stuff that they've never done in franchise history still this season. And so um, I, I give a ton of credit just for Jared Goff being mentally strong, being 
confident in his own abilities and working hard to learn a new system, to learn new parts of the game that Sean McVay never taught him uh, and just become the best version of himself. He said it multiple times this season. He's the best quarterback he's ever been because he's learning stuff like calling out protections. He's learning stuff like pre-snap reads um, that, you know, Sean McVay was basically telling him all that stuff in his ear um, during his time in L.A. So uh, I give a ton of credit to, to Jared Goff. Obviously, everyone else, you mentioned, you know, Dan Campbell, Sheila Hamp, and, and Brad Holmes deserve a ton of credit, too, for building a really, really solid team around him that, that can help Jared Goff do what he does best. But um, I, I really think Jared Goff should get a lot of flowers, in particular for, for what he's gone through over the past three years. You could almost feel the relief in his voice after that game and even in the Monday when talking uh, to the media. Jeremy Reisman, pride of Detroit Lions, NFL insider, Follow Jeremy Reisman, Pride of Detroit team, Twitter, online, Facebook, all the social networks. Uh, so we get to this matchup now. You mentioned six-and-a-half-point favorite uh, over uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are playing good football and have some really quality wins this year on the road, especially what they did to Green Bay on December 17th. Uh, how do you like this matchup? Are the Lions a prohibitive favorite for a reason, or do you have any concerns? They're, they're a good football team. I know, you know, you finish nine and eight, you, you barely get by in, in maybe one of the worst divisions in, in football. But, um, you know, if you look at some of their individual talent, if you look at some of the matchups, I think it could provide a bit of a challenge. We all know how tough the Lions have had a go of defending number one receivers. And the, the Bucks have two or three or four really good receivers. And Baker Mayfield's playing kind of well. And so, yeah, that's, I would say that's a strength of this Bucks team, and that's going up against the big weakness of the Lions. And so we, we've seen this team struggle to, to maybe beat teams that they should have more handled, like Minnesota, right? Both of those games seemed a little bit closer than they needed to be, considering they were facing a backup quarterback, a beat-up Vikings team in terms of injuries. But because their secondary has had so much issues defending outside receivers, I, I feel like that could keep this one very close again this week. And then the, the other thing is, that front seven of their defense is, is very talented. You got Vita Ve, you got Kalijah Kansi, the rookie who's starting to come on a little bit. You've got a really good set of outside linebackers and inside linebackers. Um, so the Lions are going to have a tough time running the ball, and we know that's what they want to do the most. So obviously, when when they played them last, um, you know what it was, week six or whatever, um, they they couldn't run the ball. And, and yes, they were missing Jameer Gibbs. They were missing, I think, Jonah Jackson and, and Dave Montgomery goes out of that game in the second quarter, but he was having a tough time that day and the Lions had to abandon the run completely. And I think that might be something that they have to do again. Goff threw it, I think, 44 times in that game, but he was very successful. And I think he could be very successful again in this game. So it could be another kind of shootout like we saw on, on Sunday night where both these teams decide to air it out because I don't know if either team is going to find a lot of success on the ground. And so the Lions are going to have to win another shootout. And we've seen them win some shootouts. We've seen them lose some shootouts. But um, they're certainly capable, I would say, of, of beating this team. And they're probably the more talented team. But I think it's going to be close. I know Baker Mayfield threw some great balls, and they had a lot of drops, two deep drops that looked like yeah. touchdowns. I worry about the ability of Tampa's receivers to go deep in the backside of that Lions defense. That's why keep that safety corner blitz coming. Uh, Stafford uh, gets rid of the ball so fast that yeah. you know a normal QB, and I, I don't think Mayfield has the release he has. He winds up a little bit more. There could have been five, six sacks. Sunday night, so I hope the Lions do that because when they try and play straight-up football with that secondary is when they just get picked apart. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. That's really been how they've kind of winning these these ball games, despite you know giving up 350 passing yards seemingly every week. Is they get these disruptive plays, they get these sacks, they get these tipped balls, they get these interceptions, um, they get off the field. Um, it's not all the time. Um, they're giving way too many big plays up, but they're stout in the red zone in particular, obviously last week. And if you get enough disruptive plays, you'll end possessions. And with as good as the Lions' offense is, all you probably need is three, maybe four defensive stops, and you probably win this ballgame. Jeremy Reisman, Pride of Detroit, Lions NFL insider. Follow Pride of Detroit, Facebook, Twitter, online. Jeremy Reisman is R-E-I-S-M-A-N, right, on Twitter? R-E-I-S. All right, and, and what do you and you have a little uh, – give, give your Twitter handle again before I let you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Detroit on Lion. Yeah, not Jeremy Reisman, Detroit on yeah, Lion. Yeah. That's, That's an right. easy one. Yeah, and then, yeah. <laughs> and you go at Detroit on Lion. You got Reisman. You can follow the Lions. Uh, before I let you go, uh, your final score prediction, Sunday, 3 o'clock, the kick, Tampa in Detroit. Oh, man. It's early in the week, uh, but I, I'll throw one out there kind of recklessly, and, and I, I feel I, I have the, the right to completely change my mind. But I do think this is going to be of a, of a shootout variety, uh, as I mentioned. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I think the Lions probably edge them out in the end. So I will say 34-30 to 30 Lions. 34-30. Jeremy, always appreciate your time here on the Huled Show across Michigan. Oh, of course. No problem. All right, Jeremy Reisman checking in on this Tuesday broadcast. By the way, uh, Tuesdays are presented by the Soren Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And they're celebrating the opening yesterday of the food district. Used to be where the buffet was inside the casino. They have some unbelievable new eateries for them. Guy Fieri's Chicken Guy now part of the food district at Soren Eagle. Bubba Coo's Burritos. Ike's Love and Sandwiches. And Bonanno's New York Pizza Kitchen. Those four eateries now make up the food district. Uh, which was the old buffet area at Soren Eagle with Ruth Chris's Steakhouse. They're offering up uh, the best food uh, at any destination in Michigan. Check out the new food district at the Soren Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Everything huge 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. January in Michigan means two things. One, you are wondering if those holiday leftovers are still edible or if they're a biohazard. Two, the roads are getting slippery. You are on your own with the leftovers, but the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police has a very simple solution for road conditions. Slow down. No matter how good of a driver you think you are, it can take up to ten times longer to stop your car on slippery roads. Please, Drive slow on ice and snow. Huge here for the incredible Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Exciting news. On Monday, the new food district opened up. The old buffet area now features four incredible eateries, including Guy Fieri's Chicken Guy, Bubba Coo's Burritos, Ike's Love and Sandwiches, and Bonanno's New York Pizza Kitchen. Four eateries. The food district is now open at the Soren Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Enjoy that food. 
Mercantile Bank is committed to delivering financial solutions that empower businesses to achieve their goals. We take time to understand you and what makes your business unique. From commercial and business banking to treasury and HCM tools, our local team is here to help you take your business to the next level. So when you need a financial partner, Merck is here. To learn more, visit us online at MerckBank.com business. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Huge here for Van Andel Institute Purple Community. Now they're a grassroots fundraising network powered by the volunteers who support VAI's mission to improve health now and in the future. Learn more at purplecommunity.org. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan. Final segment during our number three, Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com. One of our Michigan insiders is standing by on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. And Clayton, uh, what's the latest on the Jim Harbaugh contract situation at Michigan? And what are you hearing about other possible interviews beyond the Chargers that he did yesterday? Yeah, nothing's popped up in terms of um, other interviews so far, it's not to say that there couldn't be. It's not to say that there could be. There couldn't be some other teams that end up having an opening. I mean, people are talking about after uh, Philadelphia last night, you know, losing that they could make a change at some point. So things don't always, you know, they're not always so cut and dry. So I will still keep an eye on other teams. But to me, from what NFL guys are reporting, uh, it seems like the Chargers, you know, are, are pretty uh, strong in their desire for Jim Harbaugh, and it almost feels like he would he's interviewing them as much as they're interviewing him in terms of, you know, what the assistant coaching staff would look like, you know, they're building new facilities out there, what he would want done with that. Um, so I think it would take, you know, Jim Harbaugh getting uh, a lot of, you know, control and, and uh, power out there in Los Angeles for him to go on the Michigan standpoint. You know, I think it seems like financially Michigan's giving him what he wants. He would be one of the highest paid coaches in the country, the highest paid coach in the big 10, but as Yahoo Sports' uh, Dan Wetzel reported today, there is kind of a sticking point with the uh, termination language in his contract that they do have a couple ongoing NCAA situations, and he would want protection from Michigan that he would still have a job should there be some sort of harsh punishment or sanction uh, that comes down on him from the NCAA. Um, you know, and I think Michigan would be wise to, to grant that. The, also, the other interesting detail is that um, the, even if he signed it, it sounds like they're trying to his side's trying to push for the start date of the contract to be February fifteenth, which lines up with right around when the end of the NFL's hiring cycle would get wrapped up. So that signals to me huge that he wants to understand all the options that are out there for him before he makes a final decision, uh, which is kind of no different than than what it felt like he did a year ago when he did meet with the Broncos but then decided to come back to Michigan. So I think you know, he's going to see what's out there. He's going to get the best deal he possibly can from Michigan and then make a choice. It sounds simple, but it's just hard to predict exactly what that decision is going to be. And I think the language that you mentioned, and Ballas talked about it yesterday, that, you know, if the NCAA, which has been on a witch hunt along with the Big Ten for Harbaugh, if you're going to fire me or suspend me, uh, I want to get paid. I'm not going to walk in and sign a deal where I could be shown the door if I look the other way on NFL jobs, I truly believe if there's an NFL solid offer from a team he wants to go to, 
he's gone. You agree or disagree? I mean, I, I agree to an extent. Um, you know, and I think the Chargers would be attractive, and you and I have talked about them as a possible landing spot for a while now because of the quarterback they have in Justin Herbert. You know, obviously it's been reported that Jim Harbaugh has been pretty high on him. He obviously knew him as a recruit, and he has that advantage right now coming from college, knowing a lot of these guys, understanding uh, maybe a leg up in scouting there from his personal standpoint as a head coach if he does go to the NFL. But I think that would be an attractive one. Um, you know, if others pop up that he likes and he feels like uh, he would have enough control, whether that's personnel, whether that's just other decisions within the organization, then I think he would go there. And he, he's even told a couple of recruits that, that he would never leave for another college job, but that the NFL, if there's a situation that is too good to pass up, he would consider it. And I think that's what is potentially going on right now. You have to have the conversations like he did with Los Angeles to find out exactly what those possibilities are. So, I mean, I, I would say if he gets you know, what he's looking for from an NFL team, he probably would take it, um, you know, but at the same time, nothing would totally surprise me because this is a really unpredictable individual we're talking about. And we're talking about Jim Harbaugh, Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com team coverage on everything connected uh, to Michigan athletics at the Wolverine.com. Clayton, appreciate the update, my man. Thanks so much. All right, Clayton Safey checking in from Ann Arbor with the latest on the Harbaugh contract situation. Yeah, he's not going to sign a contract where they could fire him with what the NCAA, the Big Ten, and what the school has already done with the self-imposed three-game suspension. We'll see, man. But the way this contract talk happens today after he interviewed yesterday, and you go back to the Minnesota timeline or even Denver, like, Clayton said from last year in Minnesota a couple years ago, we'll see how it plays out. I I, I still think with the right NFL offer, uh, he's gone. Uh, Before we wrap up the show, I did want to share a message I got from Jay Wake. And this is interesting, connected to Stafford. You know, I called him a weasel yesterday for not giving the fans love, right? And Jay Wake sent me a, a note on Twitter. Hey, huge, big fan. Every day I... Pick my boys up from school at 3.15. Listen on 100.9, the Mint out of Bay City, Saginaw, Midland. And my boys make me recap your first 15 minutes of the show. I couldn't agree more about Stafford being a weasel. Hated Detroit Rams BS, but all that changed for me a couple weeks ago. Little backstory. Uh, I grew up with Missy, but met Noah my freshman year at Michigan Lutheran Seminary. He was my quarterback. I was his right tackle, best friends. My high school sweetheart and future wife grew up with Noah in Detroit, Lansing area, and both their dads are pastors and friends. Noah and Missy became high school sweethearts. Noah, too, became a pastor and was called to serve in the L.A. area. They have three children. Well, the unimaginable happened towards the end of 2022. Their youngest, Phineas, was diagnosed with cancer And after seven months, mostly spent in hospitals, was called home on June 15th, 2023. The Wednesday before Christmas, Noah and Missy got a knock on the door in Los Angeles. It was Matt and Kelly Stafford. They brought a U-Haul truck full of presents for Noah, Missy, and the kids. Matt played catch with the baseball and football with the kids. After they left, Kelly reached back out and invited the family to join them in their suite 
for that Thursday game against the Saints. I'm not saying he's not a weasel, but what the Safford family did for my friend's family will never be forgotten by me. I love him as a man and will now forever be his biggest fan as a good person. As far as I know, the Staffords have never gone public with this story, nor has Noah and Missy. Mm. I'm never attacked Stafford for the person he is. No, I've never done that. It was all business and football. But when I read a story like that and you see and read another side of somebody, that's when you develop a respect, such as Jay Wake said. He hated the Rams BS, thought he was a weasel in his comments, but he goes back to what's at the core with Matt Stafford and what him and his wife did for that pastor. Grief is ongoing forever, and the Staffords reached out and did what they could. That is phenomenal. Perfect way to end this Tuesday broadcast. Big. Bad. Huge.